You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage four prostate cancer. During the initial stages of the 2020 pandemic, my doctors advised me to stay at home. But now, two years later, I'm not only healthy, but I've been declared in remission. But I'm still continuing this podcast, during which I'm calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I've met throughout my 30 years in this industry. And now I'm also calling some new people to make some new friends. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. Today's episode of the Life of Fitz is exactly why I started doing this podcast. Jim Wooldridge is one of my favorite guys I've covered throughout my journalistic career. Not because he was colorful or because he put together great teams, but he's as good of a person as you will ever meet. And back in 2000, when he took over the K-State basketball program from the failings of the Tom Asbury era, Jim Wooldridge was just a welcome sight. He was kind, he was generous with his time, he recruited pretty good kids. He was exactly what K-State needed. Because remember, this was 2000, and he was the K-State coach for six years. And in 2000, K-State was about football. Football was rocking. And while Jim Wildridge only put together one winning season out of six, never won more than six out of 16 games in Big 12 play, his teams were competitive, they were well-prepared, they lost a lot of close games. But I often get asked this, How did he last six years with that kind of record? And the answer is really simple. Everyone loved Wooly. Everyone. And even when it came to an end, people still appreciated him. Because in his final season in Manhattan, the season when he was asked to get to the NCAA tournament and wasn't going to, he beat Kansas in Allen Fieldhouse. It was shocking, remarkable, hard to explain. All of that to this day. So now... Let's call Jim Wooldridge, who is now relocated with his wife, Ann, to Dallas, Texas. Tim? Hey, Coach. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great, Tim. It is good to hear your voice. And I was just thinking... How many years has it been since I've heard your voice? I don't know, Coach. I I seem to remember you and Ann coming to a radio show when K-State played at UCLA a long time ago, football. Yeah, that, that, yeah. I I think that's it. 
That was a long time ago. Well, how's everything in Manhattan? Things are good. You wouldn't recognize Manhattan. You absolutely wouldn't recognize it. It's crazy. People leave for two years and come back and say that. It's it's okay. growing like crazy. Well, you know, Annie, we, we moved to Dallas about oh, just over a year ago, and um, we've had talks between ourselves to get back up to Manhattan and see some friends and catch a game, and we just haven't done it yet, but I, I bet you we will the next year. Well, the, the little legends room on Bramlage, uh, on the end of Bramlage, yeah. is now uh, a co-shared area between football and basketball because it goes to the edge of the football bowl. It's called the Shamrock Zone, and it is one of the coolest sports bars you would ever be in. It's it's absolutely amazing. Is that right? It's is incredible. that right? Well, oh, that is so cool. Yeah, and then well, they uh, go across, and they've got like an area inside of uh, the Bramlage Bowl for fans to go across that are in the Shamrock Zone and essentially have what low seating or whatever it is on that on that end of the bowl. It's it's pretty amazing. They need to do some more work on Bramlage, but everything's looking pretty good. Wow, that's great. How the team shaping up? What kind of football team we're going to have? I think they're going to be pretty good, Coach. It's going to be pretty fun. Uh, got another one of those little tiny running backs that that's pretty incredible and Deuce Vaughn. So it and uh, they got a lot of other parts on defense, and this could be a pretty good year. People are pretty optimistic, but with this, the, this quarterback, uh, is it Martinez? Yeah, Adrian Martinez. Yeah. Yeah, is, is he a California? Uh, yep, he is. Originally from California. Yeah. yeah, gosh, and he's still playing. It seems like ten years ago when I first heard his name. That's crazy. <laughs> going to Nebraska, and, and he's still playing. Well, but he's a good player. He's I really, mean, he really is. A you know, he had turnover issues, and I don't care what sports you're coaching. If you you yeah. have self inflicted mistakes, you're gonna have some problems. But he's in the capable hands of Colin Klein now, so we'll see what uh, Coach Klein can do with him. I, He's a great kid. He's he's been amazing to work with so far. He's that's great. Kind of a pro, and you know, and that's always been one of my favorite things about covering K State sports is you, know, you don't spend a lot of time covering the police blotter. You know, you yeah. you, you do once in a while, uh, yeah, but yeah. usually it's nothing serious, and you get to cover sports because the kids are generally pretty good, and you got to work hard to get in too much trouble in Manhattan, Kansas. That's one of the benefits of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of good kids, a yep. lot of good student athletes and kids, and uh, the programs look real strong and healthy to me. Yeah, they are. They are. Gene Taylor's yeah. a wonderful AD. He's got kind of a laid back style that um, you know the coaches love. They, they, he's not in their business a lot, but um, he also you know, takes care of the things he has to take care of. So it's it's good. Things got a good group of people working at K State right now, and. The new basketball coach, Jerome Tang, has um, just kind of ignited the program again. So we will see great. what happens. We will see what yeah, happens. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. So get me up to date on you. You just moved uh, from Riverside down to Dallas. And, I mean, what's all going on in the life of the Wooldridges? Well, we, we retired um, two years ago. And um, my last job upon retirement was athletic director at Riverside City College. Um, and the, the athletic department there, we had 18 sports, we had football. Um, I was the AD there for five years. And I, Tim, I just thoroughly enjoyed that. And um, 
it was a it was a good exit <laughs> for me in the world of sports, working in the world of sports, and uh, left with a good taste in my mouth and moved to Dallas. We we've had a home here for for years, and uh, my parents were both from Dallas, and my sister lives here with her family, and I've got some old high school buddies. So it was a that live here in Dallas. It was an easy transition coming back into this part of the country, and um, we have thoroughly enjoyed living here and, and being back in the middle part of the country other than the heat <laughs> other, than, <laughs> other than the humidity and the heat that goes with it and uh, but it's been great my daughter jamie and her family uh her husband and our, our grandson they've been all over the world he's in the hotel business but coincidentally and and through an act of god we think um they moved to Dallas. He's taking a job here as of about three or four months ago. So we have them here now, about 20, 30 minutes from us. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, I've got some high school uh, ex-teammates of mine and classmates of mine from Oklahoma City mm-hmm. uh, that live here. And we we play a bunch of golf. So so. It's just been a nice fit. It's been a, a, a good transition into retirement, and uh, uh, everybody's healthy, and he's good. And my son Eric, he's still out in California. He moved out there about four or five years ago, and but I think eventually he'll come back to the Midwest as well. So all is good here. All is good. You spent a lot of time in Riverside. Went there to coach and a couple AD jobs. You must have liked it out there. Well, that's that's funny. <laughs> We've talked about that too. We, when we first went out there, I I, I said, well, first of all, I said, Annie, what do you think? You want to go? And she said, Yeah, we've never lived in that part. We went out there, and I said, We'll we'll be here, and then we'll migrate back you know, to the Midwest. But we stayed 13 years, and it was just I don't know circumstances that that kept us there. Um. We, we enjoyed most of it, certainly. Um, the, uh, the Riverside City College job, Tim, if I could talk about that sure, a minute. That, that was, that was a, a, a really fulfilling job for me. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the community college system in California, but there are no scholarships um, at that level um, of competition in California. I think there's around 100, and 100 to 150 or so uh, community colleges in the state. They're not allowed to offer scholarships. There's no housing that goes with these colleges. There's no food service, uh, special food service, if you would, uh, for student-athletes. Um, so these, these kids come to these community colleges out there with the intent of really improving themselves and they they are laser focused on that uh they they are the most um un, what's the word untitled mm-hmm. uh, uh people i've ever been around they're they're uh, so grateful for any support that you can give them and so when i went in there as an ad i, I saw we had about 500 student athletes 18 sports the coaches are instructors. They're full-time faculty members um, at the college. So they're teaching, you know, in their respective 
uh, uh, classes, and and uh, so it's a it's a different di- different dynamic out there. And um, what I like most about it was we were able to build some academic support for the kids. That was truly uh, life changing for uh, the department, which meant it was life changing for these student athletes. So a lot of graduation, a lot of kids going on to four-year schools, uh, a lot of championships. So it was it was good on the athletic fields and courts and pools, but it was even better seeing the kids prosper and and do well in school and then have opportunities to go somewhere else and build their life. That was some pretty cool stuff. And um, I'll always be grateful for that. And, and if I could just tag on, you know, when I think about life and athletics, and I know things are changing all over the place right now, but, man, what a life that is. And when you get a chance to be around these kids and see kids do well and go on and, and uh, make something out of, their, out of their lives through education, it's um, it's been a worthwhile vocation, and so so grateful, you know, to be a part of that over these many many years. That's amazing. California seems to get that one right. It, that's a, you know, you're not sinking a lot of money into scholarships. You're making sure you get the most out of your coaches. It's probably not easy on the coaches, but um, it it seems like that's a very efficient way to make sure people are in it for the right reasons. Well, it is. And another aspect of, of uh, California Community College Athletics is they have recruiting parameters. You can't go recruit outside of your district. And, and uh, if you do, you can only do it if a student contacts you first. So it, it – and in budgets, Tim, I mean, the recruiting is literally done within 30 minutes of your campus. And um, like you say, we're we're not, you know, there's no scholarships offered. So these kids, again, you know, they they come with with real pure intent, and that is to make themselves better and move themselves forward uh, educationally and athletically um, as they as they graduate from the community college. And it is a it is a pure sense (laughs) of of, uh, uh, of life and athletics at the community college level out there. And um, budgets are very, very tight, but, you know, you're, you're not, there's the recruiting budgets are, are I mean, even for football, there there's 140 kids on that football team out there. They probably spend, maybe spend $5,000 a year in recruiting. <laughs> and, and on top of that, uh, while I was there, they won the state championship. They were ranked number one in the country. So they are getting great players, <laughs> and and uh, they're getting it on on a, on a dime. I mean, about five thousand dollars is what we spend in recruiting for football. That's crazy. Isn't that? That <laughs> is wild when you think about the money that's going around today in in uh, Division One athletics and for five, the TV contracts, and you look at. A community college like Riverside, and, and um, they're they're not even in that same conversation. Well, there's there's something refreshing about that after everything I've been covering <laughs> for the last yeah. few months with 
the kind of numbers we're talking about that are in college athletics and the trickle down effect of that now reaching the players, which I think is great. Um, it's, uh, going to be interesting to see where that takes us, but, um, yeah, are, are you kind of glad you're not coaching in this environment now when you got to worry about the transfer portal and the NIL and all that other nonsense going on out there? Well, that's a good question. I've thought about it. Um, I guess in one sense, I'm, I'm, you know, I am glad I'm not coaching because, well, I'm older. I don't need to be coaching. <laughs> People need to be coaching. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, the landscape has changed. And uh, the, one, the one thing that, Tim, that I, I, I really don't like is I don't like this transfer portal thing and kids bouncing around all over the place. And I, I believe in, you know, giving kids everything they, they, they need to be successful and, and – um, the things they're doing, you know, for themselves, for the program, for the for the schools. That, that's, you know, they need to be, you know, I, I don't know if the word is rewarded, but there there's there's a accountability that that uh, they, they deserve from right. you. But this transfer thing is different to me, and I, I'll give you an example. I, I go over here to the. SMU basketball games occasionally, and so I, I look at their roster and I start diving into that a little bit. There's a couple of those guys on the roster that that's their fourth school mm -hmm. in five years, and I think that's wrong. I do. I, I don't think I, – I, I heard Tubby Smith say this years ago when he was at Memphis, and, and uh, he had had a lot of kids transfer in and out of his program, which is pretty consistent with – every program, you know, across the country and, uh, kids come, kids leave. And this was even before the transfer rules in the, in the portal. But he said by giving kids more opportunities and easier opportunities to transfer like this, we're just teaching kids how to quit. And, and, uh, if you look at some of the, particularly in basketball, if you look at some of the things that have happened in that sport um, as early as 10 years old, 11 years old, 12, 13 years old, they start playing on these travel teams and, and they'll play for maybe a dozen travel teams in a, in the course of a career. And then they go to high school and then they, they perhaps could transfer again from one high school to another and then they go to college, and then it's the the door's wide open again. And so, I don't know. I don't know where they stick. I don't know where they learn to stick, if that makes sense to you. And um, you know, I think I think colleges, and universities need to be accountable to the student athlete, but I think the student athlete needs to be accountable as well, and and learn how to get through some adversity, learn how to adapt, learn how to be fluid in how they make their way through a career. And it's not, it's not, in my opinion, not necessarily good to transfer two, three, four times. And I don't, I don't know if that's all the new rules that I've seen from afar. That's the one that I don't like as much. Yeah. I look, I, I think kids should be able to transfer a time, you know, sometimes we make a choice and it's clearly not the right choice, but right. it sounds like the NCAA is 
leaning towards unlimited transfers and I'm and I I don't mean to sound like an old man but some of the best decisions I've ever made were was not quitting yeah when I wanted to quit and we we were teaching young people it's easy to quit and try to start over and that's not always the best idea but I, you know I I and also to recognize that coaches can pack up and leave and and sometimes you you are miserable where you're at and you need to get out but man it's it's a, it's wild west i can't imagine why anyone would want to transfer four or five times i that whole process would stress me out so much yeah i i, I don't know either you know again we i sound old foggy too tim but you know i i can remember you know coming out of high school and and uh, being recruited a little bit and and you really, you know, when these opportunities arise, uh, I remember really diving into the schools and the coaches and so forth that were recruiting me to try to determine which was the best one. And and uh, what was I looking for? What kind of degree did I want? What, where was it located? What was the coach like? The style of play? All the things that kids look at today. And, and I, I really did my homework and, and decided Louisiana Tech was the place for me. And as it, as it turned out, I played a lot of minutes down there, graduated from, from Louisiana Tech, started a postgraduate degree down there, and then became the head basketball coach at Louisiana Tech. And, and I think a lot of that happened because that was the right place for me. And not that it wasn't – I didn't have challenges and disappointments and – all the things that go along with athletics and just living in general, but that was the best place. And I determined that, and I determined that I was going to make it through. I, I, I'll be eternally uh, grateful for that decision, for the people that I was surrounded by, and, and it shaped and, and formed a, a lifetime in athletics for me. That's what I remember it being like. To your point, I don't know how you transfer four times. I don't know what you have in mind because <laughs> other than I just want to go somewhere new and experience something new. Um, I don't know why uh, a person would want to do that. But, again, I, that's from an older man's standpoint, uh, someone that was in this athletic field back in the 70s. And as we all know, things have changed dramatically. So, but it's still an opinion, and it's—I guess—it's not. <laughs> well, yeah, I—I—I I, uh, I can't imagine being a coach dealing with it, and everything else you have to deal with just in the recruiting process, which you're familiar with. It gets um, a little bit crazy, but now you can lose a recruit at the last minute, which we've seen happen to K State both in football and basketball due to NIL deals that just pop up, and all of a sudden, you know, it's not supposed to be part of the recruiting process, but it is. Um, and now, you know, kids can come and go. And the upside is if you're a new basketball coach like Jerome Tang at K-State, you can start over. I mean, you can just bring in a whole new roster, which is something that you didn't have. And I'm just – I look back at your time at K-State and I wonder um, how difficult it had to be with uh, all the scholarship rules, limits on how many you could take, and, and uh, it was – it seems like there were just a lot of obstacles at that time as a coach that weren't really necessary. Well, that now that's an interesting topic for me as well. Um, 
I, I remember, and I think it was after I, I came on board that first year, the 8-5 rule, if you remember, yep. um, was instituted, I mean, that year, which basically stunted any, not any, but it, it, it really handicapped um, changing the roster. And and um, and making making um, you know just giving you more uh, leverage and and uh, options as as you started to build your roster in the next years. And I remember Max Yuri coming in and talking to me about. It. He said this is a big deal, and um, and he was absolutely right. It was a big deal. But you know everybody had to play the same game, and and you know I've always said this about my tenure there. I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate those years and Dr. Weefall and Bob Krause and Max and, and others needed to win more games, didn't win enough games, but I think we stabilized some things and, and, um, and gave Bob uh, a roster when he came in there that was, was pretty solid. And, and he obviously, and, and Frank did a, a bang up job there with, with uh, adding more players, but, Back then, uh, the roster and the eight-five rule, and you mentioned today, this thing is—you're going to build a new roster virtually every year, um, and it, and you're going to build it by recruiting some recruiting high school kids and so forth. But the portal, the transfers that are just—they're all over the place, mm -hmm. and um, I don't—I don't think everybody that's in that portal obviously can play at a level like Kansas State plays at, but there's going to be some. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a, I have to believe that is a huge part of what those coaches do every day uh, as, as they look at their rosters going forward. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's dive into that a little bit in your time at uh, K-State. I, I, I still talk about um, how you handled your dismissal. And I remember a group of us, maybe three reporters, being in your suite at your hotel in, in Dallas and, um, you know, talking to you and you made yourself a nice little uh, refreshing beverage. And, and I still laugh that uh, Jim Wooldridge, after being fired as a basketball coach, was worried that we were going to put in, his, in our articles that he was drinking a scotch. They're like... <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude, coach, you were class to the very end, and uh, I, I still talk about that moment. <laughs> I remember that, too. I remember that. And um, we were up there in the suite. I think guys came by, and we talked. And, and then later, Bob Krause came by, and we visited. And uh, the next day, uh, I saw Ms. Weefall. She was there, and we had a chance to – to visit her. The, the point I, here is, you know, everybody there. I mean, it's a special place. People give you a chance. People will support you. Um, you know, they, they have passion for, for K-State and the athletic department and the student athlete, and the coaches, and they want you to do it the right way there. And, um, and if you don't, you, you can't stay, but if you do, man, it, it is a great, great place to coach. And, um, um, I don't have any regrets about what we did. I wish, I guess, there, if I had one, I wish we'd won more games. But <laughs> we can't go back and do that. But uh, just the people there, we we just always have a, if you would, a sweet spot in our heart for Kansas State and Manhattan and the people that uh, represent Kansas State. Well, speaking of that, if you could go back and do something different to win more games, it, have you thought about that? Well, I have, I have, um, gosh, I don't know, you know, now that, that's a question that I guess you'd have to answer by saying I needed to be a better recruiter. <laughs> I needed to be a better coach. I, I don't know where I'd stick my finger, you know, and point to one thing that I, that I might do a little bit different. Um, I know we worked hard. I know we had good people around us trying to do the right thing. And, and recruit and work with kids and improve them and so forth. But we just came up a little shy. And um, But there, there some good things happened there. You know, we had some good players, Cartier Martin and Lance Harris and the likes, Jeremiah Massey, and uh, those, were, those were good players for K-State and had a few big wins that were memorable. And um, but, but to your Question: I don't know how I would have changed the trajectory of that any more than than I was doing. How I was doing. Going back, you had six years at K State, and I'll be blunt here. I think the reason you had six years is everyone loved you, and uh, you know everyone was rooting for you to get it going. But when it came to an end, did you know it was time? You know, we we had had a uh, Dr. Weefall and and. And Tim Weiser and myself, we had a very candid conversation after the fifth year. You remember it, mm-hmm. and and um, uh, we talked about where we were as a program, and and uh, the, obviously the contract had come to an end, and um, you know what what are we what direction are we going to go? And Dr. Weefall had decided to let's go one more year, and with it with the um, agreement that. You know, if you make the NC2A tournament, we can go further. If not, then then that'll be the end of your tenure here. And uh, I I thought that was more than fair. Uh, we had a, a decent team. If we had added another piece or two, maybe even a better team than that, that perhaps could have got to the NC2A tournament. I don't know. That's speculation. But yeah, that was. I knew at that point, as the season was winding down, and and, uh, and where we were situated, 
within the league that that was probably going to be it. But um, it was a, it was an interesting year. You know, there was a there was a lot of speculation through the year. If you remember that? Yeah. I had neck surgery uh, <laughs> during the season, which was just ridiculous. I just cannot happened and but we had some good ones and the kids kept fighting the coaches kept coaching and but it it, uh, it it came to an end and it should have come to an end how surprised were you when they hired bob huggins there was a lot of controversy around that at the moment and it was kind of outside of john weefold's style to take that kind of risk but he did what were your thoughts yeah. at the time oh i i thought it was a big time hire I thought, well, here you go. And, uh, you know, he, he had, uh, you know, a lot of national credibility. He, he had uh, recruiting ties that were strong. And, and uh, as you saw, it, it turned out he brought some really good players in there. Uh, he really, uh, I think, uh, the base of, of support there was from what I could tell, very, very excited about it. And, and uh, it, it, it did what it was supposed to do. Win more games, bring more notoriety, give everybody a chance to play in the NCAA tournament and so on and so forth. But you left him a really good player named Cartier Martin. How good was Cartier? Well, he was, he was really good. Um, you know, not only was he a really good player, Tim and Peter, everybody on the team liked him, but everybody liked Cartier. Mm -hmm. I don't know how well you got to know him, but he, he is truly a, a, one of the special human beings. And um, he always appreciated the support, always appreciated uh, trying to make him what, what he wanted to be, uh, not make him. He was doing that, but we were people like Mike Miller and Jimmy Elgis and Charles Baker spent a ton of time, you know, working with him and, and, uh, helping to develop the skills that he had to be a great player. And that's what he turned out to be. Yeah, looking back, uh, Mike was only with you a short time, if I recall correctly. Um, but he, he went on to some pretty good stuff, didn't he? Well, have you have you followed his career? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he let he let me let me take you through this because it truly is a remarkable story. He he was we were together at, at Texas State, and when I left Texas State, I to go to Louisiana Tech, I re recommended Mike to be the coach, and they luckily hired him for him and that in in Texas State. He did a bang up job there. Uh, over the next five years or so and uh, went to the NC2A tournament. He recruited and developed Jeff Foster, who went on to play many years in the NBA for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, me to take another head job from Canada at Eastern for jobs in America. And eventually... Uh, uh, left Eastern Illinois and came out to UC Riverside as an assistant coach with me. And um, I, I told him at the time, I said, Mike, if, if you're just needing or wanting to, you know, um, stay at this level and you find something or want to take something that's offered that is not a 
good fit for you. Come out with me and then go from there. And he did. And, and Tim, let me tell you, Mike, Mike Miller is a great basketball coach. I mean, he's not good. He is great. And, and, um, wherever he goes, he, he makes a, a huge impact. So he's out there with me a year and I end up at the end of that year taking the AD job there. And so at that point he said, you know, I think, I think I'm a Jeff and see if I can't make my way to the NBA. So he left that, that summer and, and eventually, um, became involved with, uh, in San Antonio or Austin, actually, in Austin. Then he became the head basketball coach at a G League for the in the G League for the New York Knicks. Did that for five years. I think he was coach of the year once or twice in that league. Uh, the head coach at, uh, with the Knicks, Dave Dave Bazell, um, called him and offered him an assistance job with the Knicks and brought him up to the bench with with them well coincidentally uh, at that point they they fired the coach and mike miller became the interim head basketball coach for the new york knicks <laughs> and that that is a story of perseverance commitment toughness uh confidence you you name it uh, and he made it. He did it. And uh, today he's an assistant coach with the uh, Washington team and um, has been an assistant with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So he he is in the NBA. And I think his reputation is growing. And I would not be surprised, Tim, in the least that we see Mike Miller as uh, head coach in the NBA again at some point in time. Yeah, it's incredible. And persistence it's incredible. Is, it, it, persistence it is, is one of the great characteristics anyone can have. Yeah. Well, he's got a lot of that, I'll tell you that. And uh, he, he's shown it in his, in his career. By the way, he lives, his family, um, they, they migrated to Texas when he left um, UC Riverside. And, and they have a home here in Dallas. So <laughs> we, we talk. I don't see him because he's always on the road or coaching i hadn't seen him yet since i've been back but we've talked and we're in touch and but they're here in dallas as well that's crazy that is crazy well certainly one of the highlights uh had to be the win in allen fieldhouse which somehow is the last time k-state's won there still um take us through your thoughts your memories that game it was such a wild win by your program um, and it's it just still sticks in my mind at how significant it was for K State basketball at the time. Yeah. Well, can I take you through it? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, we we had started Big Twelve play at Iowa State, and uh, we we lost uh, on a you know last few seconds of the game, and and uh, came back home, and. Um, played Nebraska and just stunk it up and just, we just laid an egg and, and got beat pretty, pretty soundly at home. And man, um, things were, were shaky at that point. You could feel the flooring start to shake a little bit. And, and, uh, uh, our next game, uh, was at K and, um, I told, uh, Jimmy Elgis, who was, 
our top assistant at that point with Charles Baker. I said, let's um, let's practice a couple of days here in in uh, preparation for KU, and then the night before, let's get our team out of town and and go to Topeka and spend the night. There's so much negative, you know, talk going on. Let's get these guys isolated, and get them away from here, and get a fresh mind about us, and go, go over there Saturday and and play the game. So that's what we did. And uh, our theme going into that game, because I wanted to make it real simple. I didn't want any, you know, let's don't overthink this thing. We're going to have to play really hard, really aggressive. We're going to have to play great defense, et cetera, et cetera. So I said, here's the key to the game. Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn it over. If we don't turn it over, you're going to win this game. And this is why you're going to win it. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, you guys can play defense, and you can really rebound. And so it's a, it's a one-and-done, and we're going to win this thing at the end of the game. Last five minutes. So that was the game plan. That was it. And we knew a lot about KU and, and all that, and, and the kids knew them as well. But that was the theme of the game. So we go over there. And, Tim, in the first half of play, we had 15 turnovers, 15. And so the theme was kind of going out the door, but, but, but we were still in, in, you know, we were right in the ball game, low-scoring game, still doing the So I go in the locker room, and I really let, let our guys have it. I mean, I really let, let it out. And in that locker room, at that time, it was a – the women's uh, volleyball locker room. And there was a chalkboard that we were using, old chalkboard. That chalkboard was probably in that locker room from the 70s. <laughs> and I took my hand and I hit that chalkboard with the side of my hand and told the players, get out, rewarm up, and, and let's play a better half. And they left, and I turned to Jimmy. I said, Jimmy, I just broke my hand. And, and is is it is it where it, I did? I had my, my finger was broken, oh. but it was not. It wasn't painful. We walked, walked back out there. I think we turned it over, and, and I don't look at the stats anymore. But a minimal number of times, five kind of comes to my my mind. And we got that thing tied up. We went to a zone. We stopped them. We could really rebound. We rebounded it. We made a few shots, and we, we won in a very low-scoring game. It was a really surprising win because of where we were in the season and where they were in the season. But, man, what a, what a victory for our kids and the program and the school. We, we left the gym and got on the bus and coming back down I-70, and there were probably 10 or 15 cars following us and honking and got to Bramlage and there were some fans there. So it was a, it was a, an exciting day for all of us that were involved with that program at the time. I never knew you broke your hand. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were a mess. You got a neck brace and a broken hand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'd come back from KU and, and beat Missouri at home, had A&M the next night or that weekend and, and beat them. And then, and then, as it were, the schedule, we had the whole week off the next week. And, and I remember 
talking and telling our coaches, this is the worst thing that could have happened. We need to be playing. We're playing good. We're playing confidently. Um, you know, we're playing strong. We're playing within the system as well as we could play. And, and uh, we took that week off. And, and I don't know that we ever got back to that level of, of execution and, and uh, confidence uh, the, the rest of the year. And I don't know exactly. I can't put my finger on it, but that was a, that was a, um, an element uh, of, of that season that, for whatever reason, that time off. And I've seen it with a lot of teams. You know, you, you're not playing well. You need time off. You, you come back and play better. And then teams that are hot and, and uh, you know, get, get a break in the, in the, in the schedule. And it's, it's coming at the wrong time. But um, anyway, that was the set of circumstances around that, that game. And, um, in that season, that part of the season. Yeah. It's, it's still remarkable to go back and think about, you know, and everything that went on in that year and winding down your time at K state to knock off KU. Um, (laughs) It's kind of crazy, but it has to be satisfying. At least you had something really remarkable happen uh, as you wrap things up at K state. Yeah. And I, I still, you know, I used to now the last couple of years, I haven't, I haven't uh, received any calls, but, but Tim, I mean, for about, I don't know how many straight years, um, I'd get calls from the Topeka paper and Kansas city paper Mm -hmm. and the Wichita paper and the Manhattan paper. Can you go back over that game? Uh, what do you remember about it? We've K state hadn't won there in so many, whatever it is. And, it, it is. It's such a difficult place to, to win if you're coming in there as an opponent. Um, but we found our way that day, and um, it was it was very, very satisfying. Cartier Martin led the way and, and others, but uh, we played a walk-on in that game. Skyler Thomas, if you remember him. Yeah, sure. I still, still talk to him. He came in in the second while. half. Drummond Diara was a, was a big player in that game as well. He was an All-American that day. Yeah, he was. He was. And what a great, great young man yeah. he is. But yeah, that was that was a that was a highlight, I guess you could say, of a, of a career there at K State. And um, and for me, you know, not not just for you know our players and and our coaches, but for the fans that, you know what that rivalry has been like mm-hmm. over the years and, and uh, how these schools, KU and K-State, compete one, against one another in all sports. And uh, it's meaningful in that state. So I was, I was thrilled that we were able to give them a victory. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about another memorable, less fun moment, the Purvis-Pasco situation at the – Big eight tournament, big 12 tournament, I guess it was. Um, (laughs) One of the most strange, bizarre, snake bit moments I've ever seen in college sports. Not only that he traveled and got the turnover, but Colorado chucks it in from half court to win the game. Yeah. How painful was that? That had to have been just awful. Well, let me tell you about that, Tim. Um, Colorado, and, and I'd have to go back and look at their roster to pull up the, the names, but they were really talented. I mean, they they were. I don't know if you remember back then, but Ricardo Patton was was a coach. Mm-hmm. He's bringing in some tremendous players, and uh, and our guys, um, 
uh, Gilson de Jesus and and others, Jeremiah Matt, they 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 really played a great game. They did everything they needed to do to win that game. And and we get down to the last possession of the game. We stop them. We rebound it, and Purvis takes off walking with the ball before the the buzzer sounds. So we we had to accept the call, obviously, and we had to stop him. Mike Miller and I said, Mike, we're in big trouble. And he knew exactly what I was talking about because everything was lining up, you know, to have some kind of weird thing happen at the end. And it happened. And uh, the kid made that long shot, and and uh, we got beat. We should not have lost that ball game. We shouldn't have even been talking about losing the ball game, but we did. And so when we went to the locker room, well, my first thought was we got to make sure Purvis is okay. You know, we talked to him and then we got back to Manhattan and, and spent more time with him and, and uh, just to make sure that, because that was a national thing. I mean, it was a national, you'd see it on sports center and, and all that. But, uh, that that if you want to if you want to put a most disappointing loss category that would be it that would be my number one. Yeah, I understand that. And yeah. I, but my favorite one of my favorite Jim Wildridge memories is uh, probably not another good one for you, but um, I, I I knew I you were a good coach for K State at this moment when you're playing at Northwestern in their little metal shed of a arena and I've never seen I've seen some bad officiating but I've never seen a team literally get homered the way your team was and you ended up on the court and just you you lost it Jim you just totally lost it for good reason <laughs> um, and it was uh it was something else. I have I've literally never seen anything like I saw from those officials that day. Uh Ed, you let them have it and it well, was it was entertaining. I have, I have the the yeah, well, the the re, the recall actually that I have where I did something like that was the KU game at Yeah, yep. Roy Williams, Roy Williams was um at KU, and we we had come in. If I could speak to that real quick, we had come into. It was a big Monday game, and we had played Oklahoma State at home on Thursday and beat them. They were a top twenty school. Texas rolled in on on Saturday. They were a ten program at that time. Rick Barnes was there, had some great players, TJ Ford and such, and beat them. And we were. Next up was KU um, at home on Big Monday, and man, we were we were somewhat on fumes, you know, but we were excited and kids were excited and and uh, everyone was confident and and uh, in the second half there was a play where Nick Collison, uh, first of all, I thought he traveled. Then and secondly, he ran into one of our guys and the referees called it a, a block. And and I went on the floor, and uh, it was so surprised. It was mid court. The referees were shocked. I mean, just players were shocked, and just lit into them. Of course, got ejected, and then kept kept after them, and eventually left left the court. Now, year, years later, I'm the AD at City College, and and uh, 
there, there, <laughs> one of our coaches there that came in and said, I just got to tell you, I Googled your name and that game came up where you got kicked out of the game. And, and the coach said, are you really like that? You don't seem to be like that. <laughs> I said, no, that was just a moment that got away from me. And, uh, <laughs> but that, that's the, that's the, the one ejection that I do remember. And it's still talked about. And some of my friends bring it up and they'll Google and say, look how stupid you, you look doing this. And, and they're right. They're absolutely right. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes. But we did it. And, yeah. yeah, we did it. Yeah. We, we let it rip that game. And, and, uh, Maybe he made a statement. I don't know. It, it, I know our kids, uh, Mike Miller took over the game, and they kept playing harder, harder. And uh, it was a statement. But I don't know that I, if I had a choice to do it again, I don't think I'd do it again. Tim. <laughs> uh, be a little more composed than that. That's that's amazing, Coach. Um, well, I'm. I'm glad you and Annie are doing well, and you guys are always welcome back in Manhattan. People still love Jim Aldridge. Well, you're very kind, and we we love it there, and the people, and the school, Manhattan. We just it's a it's a really special time of our lives that we uh, were fortunate enough to to live in Manhattan and work with K State and the Wildcat uh, Nation, if you would. It was just a lot of fun, and uh, it's great hearing your voice, Tim. Let's let's make sure we we stay in touch, maybe a little bit better. Yeah, that sounds good, and I'm glad you're back in the the territory here. Although I. I'd probably prefer to visit you in Riverside for the weather than than Dallas in the summer. <laughs> we had some nice weather out there, that's for sure. <laughs> no doubt. Coach, take care of yourself. All right, Tim. Okay. Thanks so much. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, so I thought I was insane. Did I really see Jim Wildred storm onto the court at Northwestern in 2001? So I went back, and lo and behold, I actually found a story about the game. And yes, it did happen. Coach may not remember it, but the story outlined that K-State was getting their butts whooped in the second half, and he'd had enough with the officials because they were awful. I think during the course of that podcast, if you've never heard Jim Wildred speak, you understand what a good guy he is. And I'm so glad he's back in the Big 12 area. I know he'll reconnect a little bit more with Kansas State because when he says this place was important to him and his wife, he's not lying. And he, despite the record, remains important to Kansas State. Jim Wildred carried the banner and handed it off in a pretty good roster to Bob Huggins and then Frank Martin and then Bruce Weber. He did indeed set the table for what we now enjoy. Remember, guys, if you're 45 or older, get your PSA scored. It is the most effective way for early detection of prostate cancer. Thanks for listening, everybody. I will talk to you real soon.